You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning. We've got a lot of announcements this morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us, our church, we're pretty busy people. Got a lot of stuff going on. And um, what's up with that section over there? It's like a bald spot. Uh, Need some uh, some of that cream on there. Um, it's great to be together. I know we got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, our church is very busy. Uh, we have a lot of things going on. I appreciate all the announcements uh, as well. But let's say a prayer as we get started. Father, we're grateful to you uh, that we can be together as a church worldwide. Uh, Father, that our mission is to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. God, as we kick off uh, really this year still in the month of February, I pray that uh, Jesus will be on our hearts. That not only that, but we want to be like him. We strive to be like him and to live like him and uh, to walk as he did. God, thank you so much for the service so far. Please be with us, God, and help us to, to really focus on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as I mentioned in our, uh, in our prayer, our church is worldwide. So we have brothers and sisters from all around the world and uh, throughout the L.A. area as well. And I want to introduce some really good friends of ours, Rob and Lori Blessings. Why don't you guys stand on up? These guys are awesome. They're from the South Bay group, but they just moved to Anaheim. Uh, but they were uh, met by the Shumps. They were neighbors of the Shumps in Manhattan Beach, so that's why they're sitting together. They're, they're neighbors still, all right? As you guys um, have heard in the uh, prayer, you know, this whole year we're focusing on Jesus. And uh, I know it's an election year as well, so we play off that a little bit. And then we talked about just voting for Jesus. That he is ultimately our hope, and he is ultimately uh, the, really the fulfillment of the hopes that we have. Uh, you know, if you've been watching TV, you see a lot of promises, right, going on. Kind of promise this, promise that, free health care, free, uh, free school. I was excited about that. You know, free tuition for the campus students, all that's great stuff. But really, if you think about it, all these guys are trying to get the community around them. But Jesus is the one that, as Chad says, can, can fulfill our hearts. Amen? He's the only one that has not only fulfilling our hearts, our lives in this age, but the eternal life to come. So let's think about that for a few moments. We're also celebrating Black History Month as well. And uh, yes, let's give it up for Black History um, you know, two weeks ago, I did a lesson that uh, I, I felt like we were stepping out a little bit, because it is a difficult topic to talk about. It really is, and people avoid it like the plague, okay? And that's why in our government, that's why there is wisdom also in separation of church and states, okay? So we're not talking about bringing politics into the church. We're talking about how to really love one another, how to understand one another, and how to understand and appreciate each other's history as well. So we took a stab at that uh, two weeks ago, and I want to kind of continue on that a little bit and talk about how Jesus really teaches us to love one another deeply as well. Okay? All right, let's start off with the book of Hebrews. Oh, it's um, the, sacri- the, the, the cost of... Joe, 
All right, thank you. I, I gave it to Joe last minute. We uh, had a little glitch on my PowerPoint, so a uh, little glitch there. Joe, don't be afraid to yell at me. Say, Ken, I need the title or whatever. So you got it? Appreciate Joe. Joe's filling in, and uh, Joe's doing a great job. Just give it to Joe. Joe. I'm stalling. Can you tell? I'm like stalling. Telling Phil jokes. <laughs> All right. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who that is. He writes to these Christians that are wavering a little bit in their faith. And a lot of them were Hebraic Jews. A lot of them were Jews who became Christians. And their faith was getting tested. And they were thinking about turning back to their traditions. And the book of Hebrew was written to address some of, those, um, some of those needs that they had to get their faith back. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us what Keith talked about earlier, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He says, guys, listen, it's hard. It's not easy. You know, that's why we had the three uh, runners up here who ran the full 26 miles, walked, ran, crawled, whatever they did. It's not easy. And the Christian faith is just like that. And there are so many references to running the race and the marathon, which was really big back then as well. And what did they say? They said, listen, you're not alone. You're surrounded by people that have gone through before, and they're cheering for you. They're cheering for me, and they're watching us. And they're saying, you can do this. But how are we going to do that? They said, you've got to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. There's no other tricks. There's no, there's no shortcuts. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Who is Jesus? The Bible says that he's the guy that the, for the joy set before him endured the cross so that we can be here today. You know, Jesus, as he was looking forward to the cross, he was like, oh my gosh, this is huge. He says what spurred him on was us, the joy set before him, that we can receive our salvation. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm more than willing to die for that guy. I'm more than willing to die for that girl. And he's going to show us how to get to heaven as well. He said he's at the right hand of the throne of God. That's, that's good to know, amen, that Jesus is at the right uh, hand of the throne of God. But what the, what the point is, is that it's hard. It's hard. Every once in a while, we've got to go back to the scripture and count the cost. And think about why we're doing what we're doing. You know, as I said, you know, for a whole year, we're focusing on Jesus 2016. Okay? That that is something that we want to set before us so that we think about it throughout the whole year. Okay? In Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. What made Jesus so amazing and so controversial at the same time? 
at the beginning of his ministry, he comes and he sits down before the people and he, re- he pulls out the scrolls. Back then they didn't have Bibles like us yet, and that's called Codex, as it was invented later on. At that time it was scrolls. So in the synagogue they had these scrolls that pull out and there were traveling visitors that would come in and speak and Jesus was at that time in his hometown, pull out the scroll and this is what he read. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He says, it is time now. This is not another religious movement, you know, trying to, little, trying to make their life a little better or whatever. This is it. This is it. And he says, I am the one. And at first, people couldn't figure it out. People looked at him and said, wow, this is great. He's from our hometown. He's kind of like a local star. Kind of vote for Jesus. A, you know, really great speaker and all that stuff. He's, he's promising us freedom for the prisoners and, and all these great things. And look what the Bible says. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And everyone says, isn't this Joseph's son, they ask? You know, when you do something great, your parents claim you. When you don't do very great, they kind of sit a little bit further away, okay? That's kind of true. Even then, they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Woo! Joseph's kid. He's done good for himself. A few scriptures later, they actually figured out what he was trying to say. And the good little feelings and the nice little fuzzy feelings of religion kind of went away within a few short passages. And it says this. All the people in the synagogue, six verses, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. Today we're not going to talk about nice fuzzy Christianity here. We're going to talk about where the rubber meets the road a little bit. We're going to talk about a people that is going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We're going to talk about people that are going to really release from the dungeons people that are oppressed. And Jesus is not talking about a movement that's going to overthrow the government or anything like that. Because if we look back at history, the Roman government still were in charge for another few hundred years. What he was talking about was in each one of our lives, the freedom that we can have if we follow Christ. The purpose that we can have if we follow Christ. And the hope that we have if we follow Christ. But it's not easy. It's not easy. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of faith. And we're going to talk about three things today. You know, Luke chapter, um, Mahatma Gandhi said this, and we're going to dwell a little bit into this. He says, A silence becomes cowardice when occasion demands speaking out the whole truth and acting accordingly. You know, Gandhi started a movement that actually inspired Martin Luther King as he started his movement. 
King actually went to India to talk to Gandhi's grandson, because by that time Gandhi had already passed away. And then he also talked to uh, Jeru, uh, Nehru, who was the prime minister at the time, trying to get information and trying to get a strategy for how he's going to really overturn the systematic racism that was going on in America. And he was, as he was formulating his strategy, he really thought a lot about just the implementation of Jesus' words from Mahatma Gandhi himself, a movement that freed an entire nation uh, of Indians uh, from the great British Empire. So Gandhi's conviction is this, that peaceful protest is definitely not, definitely not cowardice. It's speaking out for something. It's speaking out when it really even hurts. And today as we talk about this in our church today, we are the people that I'm going to try to convince you from Scripture that God has called to be these people here. Not to overthrow a government, not to overthrow any kind of system, but to really overturn this system of the world that bonds people from their, because of their sins. And Jesus talks about that. You know, when he meets the people on the streets of Jerusalem, on the streets of, of, of uh, Nazareth, he's trying to really instill in them this conviction of who they really are a people of revolution. You know, today we're going to talk about the cost of following Jesus. Every once in a while, you need this kind of conversation. Every once in a while, we've got to go back and go, okay, what does it really mean to follow this man, Jesus? Okay. The Bible says in Luke, and we're going to focus a lot on Luke, it says in, in verse 57, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the ears have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. This is a little different than Christianity today, what we see, don't you think? The second person. He says that to another man. He says, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God. You know, when I look at these passages, it's challenging, don't you think? It's challenging. It's not, just, it's not just coming to church on Sunday. It's not just doing, you know, whatever we feel like, you know, to fulfill our relationship with God. It's, it's challenging. Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and do what I tell you to do. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. He redefined who family was. He says that really, yeah, you got your physical family, but he says your real family, in a spiritual sense, these are your brothers and your sisters. That's how radical the message of Jesus was. And that's why... They brought him to the hill to throw him off the hill. You're not going to throw someone off the hill who doesn't offend you. You're not going to throw someone off the hill. You don't want to kill someone who does not disturb the status quo. You only want to kill someone if they're dangerous 
to the status quo. And that's who Jesus was. I have three points today. And the first one is that in order for us to count the cost to being a disciple of Jesus, we need to adopt, again, Jesus' core value. Okay. We have to adopt Jesus' core value. We're not talking about saying how great Jesus is. We're not talking about, oh, wow, what you know, incredible scripture. We need to actually adopt his heart. We need to adopt what he's talking about. We need to actually think about the scripture and imitate who he is. So when we read the scripture, it's not just like, wow, great scripture, interesting, theologically, intellectually. It needs to resonate deep down in our hearts. And we need to be like Jesus. This is a song that bothers me. It's the antithesis of what we talked about. And some of you old guys will know what, this, what song this is. It says, and now the end is near. And so I face the final curtain. My friend, I say it clear. I state my case of which I am certain. I live a life that is full. I've traveled each and every highway and more, much more than this. I did it my way. We hear this, right? This is an anthem. This is like an American anthem. I did it my way. Self-reliance. Go fix something. But if you really look at it, it's kind of arrogant, don't you think? It is. It's like, I'm, I'm certain. I'm clear. You don't even know where you're going, dude. You don't even know where you're going. Death should be really humbling and should scare us but, you know, it's like we write stuff like this and we sing it. And there is a part that is good of, you know, being independent. Uh, but, man, this is not what the Bible talks about, to be honest. We don't do it our way. As disciples, we need to do it God's way. Okay? In Luke chapter 9, Jesus talks about this. He says, at time, at the time, uh, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven... Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into the Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Even back then they had race issues. The Bible talks about how these guys in Samaria, in Samaria did not like the Jews and vice versa. The Jews had a hard time with the Samaritans as well. So the Bible actually addressed some of these issues. So how did the disciples choose to look at this slight of the Samaritan towards Jesus? What did, what did, the, what did, the, what did these disciples do? These were Jesus' disciples. What was their solution to this problem? Look what he says. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? That was their solution. We got the power. Let's use this power. James and John. They said, let us, let us nuke these guys. Once and for all, man. It's like the Korean, North Korean guys, you know, always messing around with their rockets, right? Let us nuke these guys. You know, I feel that way. It's like, let's get rid of these guys. But Jesus turned and rebuked them and went to another village. 
Jesus looked at him and said, that's not who we are. We don't do things your way. If we did, the whole world will probably be destroyed. It'll be up in smoke. I'm not going to do it your way, Jesus says. And he rebukes them, these guys. You know, when King was formulating his strategy to change the way that we interact with one another here in America, he wrote a book. I think this was his first one. He says, Strides Towards Freedom. He wrote, True Pacifism for Nonviolent Resistance is the courage, the courageous confrontation of evil by the power of love. He figured it out. And he actually got a lot of his ideas from Gandhi. Not all, but he was a theologian himself. He looked in the scripture and he looked at empirically what had happened half a world away. And he says, it really, really works. That if you love these people enough and if you keep pressing it, if you keep pressing it, if you let them beat you, if you let them treat, mistreat you over and over again, but while standing up and standing up again and again and again, it's going to change the world. And that's exactly what happened. And the change continues, amen? Here's a picture of Gandhi. This is, a, this is a march that they did together. The British Empire had imposed assault tax on the people of India. That every time they would buy salt, there was a tax that goes to the British Empire. And they said, listen, we, we're not going to pay that. So there was a march towards the sea to get their own salt. And as he was gathering storm, it was one of the monumental movements uh, moments in, in, in uh, Gandhi's movement that changed, that convicted the minds of the great British Empire. Here's King meeting with uh, Nehru as well as he went there to get some ideas and get some thoughts and collaborate and corroborate together. And here's King on a march. I think this was the march that uh, was to Washington, the power center. And he says, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. You got to keep moving forward. It's the whole marathon. It's the whole race. And we learn from these things. That these men have their own ambition. These men have their own vision and, and what the world should be. And they learn from scriptures even. Something that we should do as we look at our purpose also. In Luke 10, verse 1 and 2, he says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. And he sent them out two by two and, uh, of, uh, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He sent out the 12 at the beginning in an earlier verse. As he was expanding his ministry, he sends out now the 72. And he says, one of the core values of who I am is what? To preach the word. To share the gospel with other people. And I want to ask us a question today. And this is a serious question. And it's a question that I ask myself as well. All the time. Do we have the same core value as Jesus when it comes to reaching out to people? 
you know, in the church, there's a lot of stuff going on, right? There's a lot of stuff to pick on. You know, it's like every time I do a sermon, man, look at the diversity in this room. You got the kids here. You got the college students. You got the singles spread out. You got the family ministry. You got folks with bad backs in the back. You know, you got all these different people. Okay? So at any given moment, a sermon's going to be reaching out. Yeah, man, that really resonates to me. Well, that kind of resonated with me. And the next week, it's vice versa and all that stuff. And in the church, you look at the announcements. We've got to cut down on some of our announcements. We've got a lot of stuff going on. But if we strip away all those things at the end of the day, do we have the same core value as Jesus when it comes to really loving people and reaching out to our neighbors? It should bother us when we stand in front of a, a line. It should, it should. You know, ATM and, you know, maybe step not too close, but, you know, it's like maybe the guy behind says, hey, where do you go to church? You want a, what do you believe? I want you to ask yourself, really, do we have that kind of heart spiritually in terms of our whole group, but individually as you, as you sit there in your, in your chair? I want to ask us, when was the last time we really dug in there with scriptures on people if we're not doing that, what are we doing? If we're not doing that, I mean, who are we? Right? Jesus talks about this all the time. It wasn't just the 12. It was the 72. It was the 120. It was the 500. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. There's been some talks about the study series and stuff like that. You can study whatever you want. If you got your own study series, go for it. You make a disciple, we'll baptize that person. Don't make the study series or whatever. It's just a study series. It's a bunch of scriptures we put together from what we think is, should be what disciples are. It's not gospel. It is gospel, but it's not like the order of it's not gospel. Don't make that such a big issue. Go do it. If you can cure people of leprosy, great. <laughs> if they go, wow, you're, you're truly from God. Awesome. Let's go for it, amen. Last year was frustrating. I reached out to some people. They didn't make it. It's hard. It's, it is heartbreaking. And there is a tendency to go, I don't want to do this again. I've invested a lot of time in these guys. A lot of food, man. I fire up the barbecue so many times. I mean, it's, it's like it's ridiculous. It's like they, they eat, then they, they go away uh, rejoicing somewhere else. I mean, it's like, come on. It's sad. You know, it's like, it's hard. It hurts me. hurts me, man. Got to keep going. Amen. You can't fly, crawl, run, or whatever. You just got to keep going. He says it again. He says, Go! Go! exclamation point, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on a road. Rely on me. Because if you rely on yourself, it is going to be really tiring. It is frustrating. Because you are lambs amongst wolves. We must adopt Jesus' core value when it comes to evangelism. Amen? When it comes to dependence on God. When it comes to actually going out and doing the work. Point number two. We need to live truthfully. Here's a big word that I learned recently. I go, that's a good word. It's a good word. And I forgot it. <laughs> what it means is this. It means that it doesn't match cognitive dissonance. 
right? It doesn't match. It doesn't match from what we believe and how we live. So there's this conflict in our mind that we're not happy with ourselves because we know we should be really living out like this, but we're not. So there's a conflict that goes on in our minds and in our hearts, and it causes dissonance. It causes, it causes our, our, our brains not to be happy with ourselves. Point number two, live truthfully. Jesus said this. Is, he, he lays it out. He says, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate one or love the other, and he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This past uh, January, we took a pledge for, because we have some plans, right? We want to see if we can hire a youth and family ministry because we believe in that ministry. So we want to hire another couple, but we want to hire someone a little more senior because we want to focus more on the family aspect of the unit, the family, because we believe that if the family is doing well, kids have a better chance as well. Okay? So our pledge came in at around 14.5. Our contribution came in at around 13, you know, average, because our pledge it doesn't match. There's a, there's a cognitive dissonance there between what our pledge is and what our actual really is, okay? So with that, is not enough to hire that season. We can hire a youth guy that just graduated from high school and his girlfriend. If we want to do that, we can do that. If we want to hire someone a little bit more seasoned, we need to really cough it up a little bit. Okay? And we need to do that. And, and I look at the contribution, and I, you know, I'm, I, in general, I think there's a lot of people that are giving incredibly sacrificially. Years, years of sacrifice. You got a big McMansion up in the sky. I guarantee you that, okay? But there's a lot of us we're not giving. We're not giving a whole lot. And, and some of you guys, you, you, you know, there's a lot of talk about how the church should be. I think if you give first to God, I think it would make a little bit more, like, credible. I'm just being real frank here. It doesn't be a little more credible if we sacrifice, live sacrificially. Nobody's getting rich here. Nobody. Lena and I, you know, we want to make some sacrifice. I, I'm serious. I think we need another full-time seasoned couple because I think there's a lot of need. You know, Jarrell, you know, Veronica, they're single, but they're not, they're not full-time. You know, we're meeting like Odd hours, because that's all they got. And trying to run 60 you know, singles, it's just not going to work. Okay? Um, so we, we got a lot of work. So Nina and I, fine, I'll, I'll get a part-time job. I don't mind. I'll go back. I don't mind doing some consulting for my old company or, or what have you. You know, I think that's better, because I think if we have two great couples, myself included, uh, just kidding, that just came out, but anyways, two couples, two couples, Two, two couples, one great couple and us. You know, if we have two couples, we can really do, do a better job and coverage the whole ministry. But Jesus says, hey man, be truthful. You know, be truthful. He says, no one can serve two masters. You've got to cough it up. You've got to invest. If you say, this is your family, you've got to invest in it, okay? You've got to invest. Give responsibly, Okay? Give responsibility, but, but let, let's, let's really be truthful about where our hearts are really at. And then we can start our conversation. Okay? In 25, it says, On occasion, the expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Good question. 
What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Jesus said. You know, Jesus, you know, he was trying to throw this at Jesus, and Jesus threw it right back at him. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, hey, you, know, you got it, you got it. Right? Chaz says that the Bible actually is written on the eighth grade level so that everybody can read. It, you know, to, to really, there's, there's no, like, there's not a whole lot of bad, you know, hard, like, really bad vocabulary words in there. So it's not an issue of this guy coming up to Jesus and says, hey, what do you think of this? Jesus says, you already know what it is. You already know. We already know. It's just a matter of living truthfully. And this guy did. Jesus used his story to tell of the Samaritan. He says, this guy's actually living truthfully. He's not even a Jew. He's actually living according to his own conscience and according to his own conviction and according to what he believes, what he says he believes. So too, a Levite, when he came to a place and he saw him pass by, Jesus explained what a good neighbor is. On the other side, but the Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And not only the feeling, what did he do? He says he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. He put out, you know, just the things that he was talking about. He actually sacrificed because of his own conviction. So when he saw this man lying on the ground, he said, listen, no one else thinking, I'm going to do this. And I don't care if he's not a Samaritan. I don't care if he's Jewish. I don't care, whatever, whatever. He's a man that I need to help. Not only that, the next day he took, him, he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper, looked after him, he looked after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. He followed through as well. Sacrifice. He's true to himself. He's true to what he believes about who he is. And he gave. Not just in a token way, but he dug deep down. And he gave. And that's why he was Lift it up. It's a story, but Jesus used that story to say it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what, you know, where you go to church, whatever. Live truthfully. So that we, actually, if we do that, there is no cognitive dissonance. There is, it's true. It aligns. Our values and our lives align together. Amen? Point number three. We need to examine our institutions. Ooh, that's a big word. It is. You see, this week is Black History Month, right? This month. Next month is Women's Month. All right? So it's not just race. It's gender. Generational. When Jesus says, love your neighbors yourself, he didn't mean that, you know, you like a Diet Coke, give the next person a Diet Coke. It means actually trying to figure out what he likes or what she likes. Get into that person's life. Try to figure out what the history is and what they feel and what they're thinking. Examine our institution. There are some good things about some of the things that are traditional about us. There are some things that we need to think about. I think our world is changing. It's pretty fascinating. I, I saw some of the demographics in, in, uh, in L.A. LMU is doing a study on demographics in L.A. and you know, Latin, Latinos are growing. 
Asians are the fastest growing minority in America. Asians, not, not Latinos, in, in, in percentage. White flight, there might be some white flight in L.A. Again, I know that, that is a weird word, but what I'm saying is that the diversity is, is really the name of the game. And we've got to learn some of these things. We've got to really be open to trying new foods, amen? We've got to be open to really going out and meeting new friends, reaching out to other people. Let me close on out by this. There were two sisters. And one was very traditional. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus took Mary's side. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Yeah, I read this story a lot, and I go, that's so, it seems so unfair, you know? It's like Martha did the work, and she got rebuked. It's so unfair. It would seem that way, right? But you know, Mary did something actually, actually more, more amazing. You know what she did? She looked at her institution that women should kind of just help out, sit in the back. She ignored that, and she sat down with the boys. She sat down with the boys. And she said, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what they say about me. I'm sitting here because Jesus is in town. And I might not get this chance again. Excuse me, boys. I'm going to sit right here. We've got to break some institution. Amen? We've got to have courage to examine some of the institutions. They're not biblical. I'm not talking about biblical institution. Unbiblical institution. We need to look at it and break that. We're in a revolution together. Let's do this thing. Amen. God bless. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.